Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's Tuesday, March 16th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 380. I'm your host, Austin Walker. I'm joined today by Rob Zachney. Good morning. And Ricardo Contreras. Hello. And it's just us today, which means no one can stop us from doing the podcast the way we want to. And that means I'm immediately going to talk about the hottest game of the week, The Evil Within 2, which I put like four hours into last night. Wow. Instead of sleeping. It was a mistake. It feels rude. This feels... Patrick's not here. Yeah. (laughs) Because he'd be judging me if I actually did this and he was here. Oh, wow. Because it would be like, why did you play that and not play something else, Austin? He would say Austin, that. Like, I think Patrick will always approve a horror game, though. I guess that's true. I, even if it's even if it's years old. Um, that game's all right. Rob, you should play that game. You know, I feel like I feel like, you know, with all the time that we have. Uh, is that there's the, something is that the one really that interesting about it? I was going to ask, is that the one that didn't make it onto the whole big... Interestingly enough, make- that is not. I installed the one uh, that is... I installed Evil Within 1 on Game Pass. Because, <laughs> you know, I just want to get caught up. Like, I uh, yeah. As, as I understand it, Evil Within 2, it's like, whoa. I've got some like, like, parental whoa. grief, like weird emotional issues going on. But I need to know the origin story yeah, for fair. that grief. But right. the thing that Evil Within 2 has that I think is super fascinating is formal, which is like or structural, which is the, the it, it becomes an, a, a hub based game. It becomes like a semi open world game in which you're in a like corrupted suburban community that's filled with these zombies that do talk sometimes, which is strange. They're mm-hmm. very like people. They're like people twisted more than they're like undead. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like, oh, this this person you see this one priest at some point like, given to his deepest guilt and then become a sort of violent, wrathful monster after that. So maybe there is some sort of emotional thing happening. Who could say? But the thing that's so fascinating to me about it is you are in this kind of open space. Again, I say eventually, because the first, like, 90 minutes is a very linear, straightforward. Maybe it's more like the first hour. I was editing a podcast while playing it, which means, like, pausing to be like, oh, I got to fix this cough i have to <laughs> there's too much dead air here so let me pause so who knows how long the intro maybe it's 10 minutes long and it just <laughs> felt like an hour to me um anyway once you get through that intro you're in this kind of open space that is like a bunch of suburban houses and you know a grocery store and like an auto parts store and some other stuff right into town hall and all that um and spread across that map are interiors of these buildings and not every building is something you go go into but it's almost as if you're you're in a sort of um, uh, a, a landscape of various types of horror video game that you then dive into depending on where you end up. 
So like, you know, the, the when you're outside of the grocery store and you get the crossbow for the first time that has the the electricity bolts and there's like, you know, a broken fire hydrant. So there's water on the ground. You're in like Bioshock. Like, can I set up a cool trap to take care of like four of these zombies? When you're, you know, over in a uh, uh, there's there's a there's an entire thing where you use the you use computers to go to different parts of the town. You like matrix your way through because it's all uh, happening in a simulator. It's all happening in the matrix is the thing to understand about this game. Wait, you like jack into the matrix at the beginning of this game. So it's sort of like that thing they throw away in the matrix reloaded where they're like, you know, in the matrix, like all the occult shit could be totally could real. Be totally, for yeah, a second, 100%. you're like, fuck yes. yes. And then they're like but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> well, and that's clearly because the Matrix starts as a game of Mage the Ascension, the White Wolf game. The technocrats are very obviously the, uh, the or sorry, the agents are very clear the technocrats from Mage. Anyway, uh, um, so they it's just, just set up for the Animatrix, you know, all the ghosts. The, the, all the that ghosts. One, yeah, the ghost the, story. That one it's ghost, ghost story. story. Yeah, yeah. It's called Ghost, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of stuff in the, the Animatrix that feels like it's on the verge of Supernatural. Anyway, oh. um, but you go and do, you know, uh, uh, one of these other rooms, and it becomes very Resident Evil 4, very much just like a, an, a like a high-tension uh, action horror game. And then I went into one, I was like, this game's all right, this game's not that scary. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be playing <laughs> it at 3 a.m. Then I went into one, and it was like, um, a, it was a haunted house. And it was like, I found a journal from a lady that was like, hey, you know, there's these monsters outside, but, I, but they're not able to get in my house. But I, I have felt it get uncomfortably cold in here, and I'm hearing things, and I, I feel like things aren't where they're supposed to be. I'm like, okay, this is this is a ghost story. And then you get brought into, you like read her journal, and it transports you into a like a, some sort of facility, um, a hospital. Who could say it might be the hospital from the first game? I don't, I don't know enough about the first game. Rob, maybe you beat me. I'll here. give you, you an like, update on that. Yeah. Uh, next week. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're like locked in a room and there's like a series of rooms and there's a giant ghastly woman with like black, like um, appendages hovering around her. I didn't stay mm. and get a good look because I had to find the, I had to like sneak around her while she was humming a lullaby, not only on the, in the game, but through the, through my PS5 controller which was tied to proximity. The closer I was to her, the louder it was on my on my uh, controller, uh, which is like a sp very spooky way of like, oh, she's coming close. She's right here. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, you know, I have to find the key card and find the exit. And it's like, that's a completely different type of horror experience from the like shoot 'em up stuff, the, the RE4 stuff. Um, and that's such a fascinating way to like lay out your horror vibes um, it, it, you know, I think about other games that have these sorts of other horror games that have larger spaces like this versus that more constrained mm -hmm. linear stuff. And it's normally just the case that that's just like, okay, we're in the mode we're in. And you think about the Resident Evil games post four, um, I guess pre seven post four. And, and those are games where you're like, okay, I'm moving through a, sometimes large spaces. The, the villages and mansions of, of those games are like, you know, sizable. Um, and there's secrets to find and stuff like that. It's not like they're they're not uh, uh, there's not exploration happening. But what there isn't is this like rapid mode switch between. It's almost like a little micro anthology in a sense. We're like, okay, what am I going to get in this corner of the map? What type of modem are we going to be? Or what type of mode are we going to be in? I always said modem. <laughs> what mo I mean, we're going in these computers. So yeah. what type of modem <laughs> am I going to be in? Um, so that's, you know, that's a fun thing. Also, it's just like, it is a weird blend of like inception and high horror. Because 
the was- way the map bends in on itself and all that shit. And a lot of it is that sort of emotional whatever. Go ahead, Rob. Well, I was also just a little bit curious, like, so a problem, a game I love is fear. But a problem with fear is that, like, things can only be so yeah. scary once you're like, I'm just going to unload a clip into these guys. Yes. You described, you said, I have a lightning arrow. Yeah, but I only had, like, two of them. And I ran out real quick. And then there was, the thing that literally <laughs> happened in that <laughs> sequence was, I was like, I'm going to get four of these motherfuckers lined up in that puddle. And I did. And I shot them with a lightning arrow. And they went zap, zzz, zzz, and they fell over. And then they got up and immediately <laughs> climbed over the barrier at me. Classic apparently, zombies. I should have just used that opportunity to go past them and yeah, either knock them out while they were being electrocuted, shoot them in the head yeah, while that was them. happening, or loot the shit around them and get out. And instead, I was like, I got them. They're, we're good. Uh, it was <laughs> an extremely funny payoff. Um, so yeah, I, I will say that like at this point in the game, I mean, at that point of, sort of the survival horror game where unless you're in a section where they're feeding you ammo... I do not have much ammo. You can't carry a lot of ammo. One of the upgrades you end up getting uh, is ammo pouches. I just got my first pistol ammo pouch that raised the amount of ammo I could carry from 20 to 26. And so, well, I'm only ever going to have 26 bullets right now. That's not a lot of bullets when even the raw zombie takes two headshots. And it's they're, they're fucking darting around. It's one of those. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to miss a lot. Um, I might get two zombies or 20 bullets, which is, or maybe I'll get three or four. Hmm. Yeah, it depends on it depends on if I get the drop on them or if they're like a stronger one or whatever. But anyway, I think that 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 game is doing all right. I'm enjoying it. It's it's probably not going to usurp Dragon Quest Eleven as my bedtime game because of <laughs> the way I'm a coward. Um. But but uh. But yeah, that's I wanted to do my Evil Within two check in. Uh, let people know we followed up on that. I know a lot of people were curious about that game four years ago or whatever when it came out uh so four years so ago go. really that's that's i believe that's right it Jesus. might be more kato evil within two here's here's how i did it last time i did a search for waypoint uh, <laughs> uh, to see if patrick wrote about it and uh what i got was a tweet okay so yeah october 13th 2017 Patrick does a tweet. Nobody's going to play the evil within two. And it's a bummer. It's what the original game should have been. Uh, so there, yeah, there's a piece here on the speaking, site. Speaking of the original game, Rob, Rob, <laughs> I think Rob just installed it. Oh, okay. He's, you've not you played dove it. in yet, right? Yeah, no, I got distracted by a Slay the Spire run. <laughs> you know, ain't that the way? Yeah. I was like, I'll just, I'll just pop into this real quick while it installs. Hmm. A full night later. <laughs> well, so that's how the defect works. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling about Slay the Spire these days? Oh, I think it's just one of the greatest games I've ever played. Like, I mean, what do I like? How do you? You know that card game that like instantly became one of the best games of like its generation. Uh, yeah. How are you liking it? Liking it quite a bit, Austin. <laughs> it's, it is so much fun. Um, Seeing the different ways, there's like the broader conceptual choices you can make about your deck where it's like, okay, here's the here's the way this deck is going to function and structure. But then there's also the like bonsai, like, how am I going to prune this? But you kind of have to anticipate. You have to do anticipatory pruning where it's like, this is a good card I am being offered, but it does not fit what I am doing. And in a lot of situations, it will just be a bad draw. And so even though this card is awesome, 
<laughs> I need to make sure that like I continue to play to the strengths that I'm developing. And that coupled, but then also the fact that you still have to hedge your bets a little bit. Like you have to be, okay, how can I produce defense on short notice if uh-huh. I need to? Uh, how can I cycle through cards through my hand? All that stuff is awesome. And there's so many ways to get better at it. And then so many trap doors that open beneath you, uh, just as you're like, I'm really crushing this. I think I, I think I figured this out. <laughs> totally. All right, we should talk about a game that actually came out this week, and and not either, not two different games that came out at least three years ago, uh, each. So, um, y'all want to talk about Star Dynasties, a game that might not even be on anyone's map who's listening? That's probably not true. There's probably like the diehard. Great it's already folks. got a weird like. Certainly Does in the Three Moves yeah. Ahead chat, like okay. all the Three Moves ah. Ahead people are like, hey, Star Dynasties, this is, hey, like I know the Space Forexes can be a little bit played out, but like, yeah. this is really good. Uh, and it does seem really, it's really good. pretty fucking good. Yeah. Uh, it is It is uh, a, a 4X. It's, it's hard to even, it's, it's not a 4X. Mm-hmm. Well, it, hmm. Is it's, it? It's eluding. It's, I don't think it is. I guess you're expanding, but you're not really... You're not doing, you're not um, um, exploiting, really. I mean, you're exploiting in other ways, but you're not doing the thing that the in the world 4X exploit means to gather resources and to uh, deforest worlds or, or you levy places. Taxes? That's a resource. You do levy taxes. I think this is closer to like the grand strategy definition that Paradox has carved out, especially because yes. it's mm-hmm. obviously cribbing a lot of Crusader Kings yeah. ideas, oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. with a really well executed thematic wrapper. And this sounds this sounds so much easier than it is to do in practice, dude. Well, yeah, st- like Paradox couldn't really do it with Stellaris. <laughs> the developer of Crusader Kings made Stellaris. Well, and that's I think part of the appeal of of Star Dynasties is. It very much feels like the response to Paradox not just making CK in space. I think a lot of people like me who liked Crusader Kings were like, I cannot wait for them to do a sci-fi Crusader Kings that is, you know, dynastic or or built around heroes and and not heroes, but characters, right? And character interactions. And Stellaris just wasn't that at launch, right? It, it, it's a 4X game more than a grand strategy game. It's a 4X game, but from, a, from people who understand the scale of grand strategy games and and who allow you to play that game in a way that is about continuation, not necessarily about complete conquest, uh, or that that conquest feels like the conquest of a grand strategy game because it takes so long and it's not as much about like the the, the sort of like uh, way that 4X encounters kind of come, come to a head. And Star Dynasties feels like the response. It's like, no, I'm going to make a game. We're going to make a game in which there are, family lineages and uh, people backstabbing each other and drama uh, and grievances in the way that you want from one of these. It's really smart. Like before you even hit the splash screen, you get the briefing on like what this universe is. And <laughs> yeah. here's, here's another major difference between this and a forex. Forexes are often like uh, blank slate games where it's like you start from here's your tiny little village mm-hmm, or yeah. planet or whatever and from here you just ink blot expand outward looking for the most resource rich <laughs> places star dynasties before you ever get to a menu is like hey so here's the deal uh, space empire rose but they accidentally destroyed earth yeah. uh, so they have all this technology they have this far flung space empire but it's all gone to shit 
And so now it's just this feudal system in a decaying order. Yeah, yeah they were all like they are all reliant on Earth still for key technologies and stuff. And so, like, one of the first things you learn is you can't there are planets, there are star systems you can't do anything with. You don't have like colonization technology. You don't have world ships or what the fuck ever. Yeah. Um, uh, so too bad. This is not that game. You're not going to go terraform the world to make it more like your people. Um, uh, Instead, you're going to try to like Yenta together, like your daughter and a neighboring duke, and yes. be like, "Aha! Now we will, now we will grow strong." Uh, but then we'll you might also that discover goes. that maybe your daughter isn't your daughter, and right, <laughs> yeah. And the, the one thing, say. well, just the one thing that is uh, like the only moment where you're kind of expanding in that way of like conquering new territories. If somebody fucks up enough right. that they have to abandon a planet. <laughs> Right. That's yes. the one thing. It's like, oh, I have enough money that I can pay enough people to restart the technology on this planet that had been abandoned. And that's how you can gain new star systems that way. But like, yeah. that's or the only conquering. Bit. Right. Right. Like, I was just actually like, that's the only like yeah. that is the only like uninhabited land sort of grab that you can make in this game. It doesn't happen that often. At least yeah. I only I've played I played like five hours of it and it, 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 it happened once. And it got snapped up by somebody else way before I had anywhere near enough money. Um, mm -hmm. well, so that's the other thing that is that is. Go ahead, Rob. No, I was just going to say, like, one of my touchstones for space opera or like space politics. Remember the opening act of Dune mm -hmm. uh, and still my favorite part of all those books. Like there's a there's a direction that is hinted at in Dune where like because the tra like the tragedy of Dune is you come in at the end of a more interesting story than Dune is really <laughs> that, that series is going to tell. Oh. Um, but there's this moment where. You know, the Atreides family has just been given the keys to the strategically crucial planet of Arrakis, the place that produces all the spice. And there's this like dinner where the new Duke is meeting all the stakeholders, basically, or all the people he knows are stakeholders uh, on Arrakis. And his young son, Paul, who's going to be the hero, just is watching all this unfold and like picking up the undercurrents in the room and the dynamics of like, okay, who like, what are the interests being served here? What is behind every single statement people are making? And okay. is this really like exciting moment because you said like, especially if you're a kid and you're reading it, but it's getting at this notion of like separating intention from words, like in the text, you have a character interrogating subtext. And this is something a lot of Forex games can't bring across because they don't have the narrative chops and because they're very much like what you see is what you get. They're not really about intention. They're about like, go to the gold planet and get the gold <laughs> and use your gold to make starships. And then the starships, like once you got enough of them, you just go crush house. What I like, one of the things I really dig about star dynasties is that in addition to the crusader Kings type stuff, where it's about measuring relationships and, uh, like managing family and dynastic connections. I want to talk real quickly about the way it handles fleet battles. Cause I think mm. this is actually <laughs> one of its really smart choices. Yeah. We've all played a million games where you just select your fleet and you send your fleet to the enemy space, uh, like space station yeah. or star system and a big battle ensues. You can see us doing this every Stellaris stream. You can see exactly <laughs> what our emotional resonance with these moments is. So Star Dynasties, when you attack, a, when you attack a location, what you are given is this political screen, basically, mm. where you're determining who's going to be throwing in with the attack. 
Yeah. You as your faction, obviously, will always be able to join because it's your ships. And so you can commit your strength. But there's two really smart things it does, both feeling a little bit board game inspired. 100%. There's, there's bits of, um, I think, Empire of the Sun, uh, mm-hmm. which is Mark Herman's game, where there's this notion that as you begin committing more resources to an attack or you make a, you take a bigger swing, the odds of detection and the plan being given away increase. And so if you just like do a like sneak attack strike with your fleet, the other guy might not mobilize at all and you can just clean up. But the defender still has some ability to react no matter what. So you might just want to like bring more odds in on your favor. But as you begin going around to other nobles and saying like, Hey, can you join my attack? Um, first, there is a chance that they won't. Mm-hmm. Even like loyal people. And this is where like there's a Sakigahara uh, component being kicked in, which is a board game about the end of um, the civil wars in Japan that led to the Tokugawa Shogunate. And that isn't a board game that's entirely about people just defecting mm-hmm. on the day of the battle or just not showing up. <laughs> there's a bit of that here too, where it's like, totally. hey, this is my like, this is one of my like vassals but if i call them into the fight they just might not come and there might be repercussions for them long term for that because it's dishonorable to do that which we'll get into mm. yeah but, but maybe they but hate that doesn't you. help you today right, right. exactly <laughs> it doesn't help you on the battlefield that i can like find them afterwards or whatever but also as you're making your rounds you get a warning like with each person okay if you call this person person in uh, they're trustworthy. Uh, they're probably not going to betray you, but there's a higher detection chance if you bring mm-hmm. this person in. So they can commit this many resources, but also there's a good chance that now the defender will be awake to it and will have more opportunities to bring in uh, more defensive units. And I think right at this base level, any sort of, the fact that any sort of military conflict is less about pure ship count than it is about like making sure your diplomacy is shored up and that you really understand who is around you and mm-hmm. who your allies and who your potential enemies are. Um, that immediately moves it into the realm of like sci-fi space opera that I become way more interested in where it's like, I just don't, I don't want to ban select huge fleets and like send them out to go kick no. ass, right. but no, give me fact, a situation where it's like, can you really trust your friends? Mm, this I'm is in. the thing that I, that I miss a lot from the CK model when I play Stellaris is perfect information or or not just perfect information but perfect control the paradox model of of grand strategy game requires you to be able to have information at a uh, high level about basically everything going going on we've had this conversation before many times i was on this podcast and on a three moves ahead rob where i bemoan the fact that i know whether or not uh, a ploy has a high chance of working or or an offer of marriage will be rejected, you know, out the gate, blah, 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 blah. So you know that I've had some, like, ugh about it. But but basically, that model requires you to have that. Um, and then what Stellaris does is say, and you have perfect control over everything in your 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 kind of uh, forces, everything. You are a big blob. Whether or not you play like a big blob or not, you, you are functionally a big blob or everything internal to you is basically loyal. You might have citizen population units that don't perform the way you want or might riot but your but your marshals are not going to turn on you your your ships are not going to refuse orders um you're you're going they're going to go where you tell them to um and that removes the that that part of the fantasy for me which is i want a vassal to tell me no and i want to be able to tell my lord no 
and let him go fucking hang and then chop up his territory when it all falls apart in his face. Like that's part of the 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 cool idea of space feudalism <laughs> is that sort of backstabbing. That those are what the the kind of foundational texts in the genre have given us and like you should be enabled to to play that in a game that does that. I also kind of dig that so in the paradox model Cassus Belli has become like kind of the key like can you do this or are you going to incur a ton of penalties and it yeah. also has gradations of like how people are regarded affects how like war against them is viewed that stuff is all in play I do feel like Star Dynasties is a little more on the nose in terms of like it's very Fuck clear it, in the man. interface where it's like look yeah. this is bad <laughs> on the other hand this guy sucks. And everyone sucks. hates his fucking everyone hates guts. His guts. There, a lot of people have reasons, have specific, not just not claims on his territory, mm. but um, specific claims on what they've done wrong. And that might make things a little less, uh, uh, you know, tenuous when you try to explain to the world why you've invaded this guy. You get to point to your to some, you know, noble you have whose marriage was annulled by this guy. Mm. And like, <laughs> yeah, I was just writing that wrong. Um, because there's this entire justice system built yeah. into this game um, where, God, I, Kata, you may have seen more of it than, than me at this point if you put five hours in. I've only put like four or three or three or four hours in a little bit. Like, basically, I played through the tutorial and then kept playing that game for a little while. Um, Same. The, so, yeah. So, so tell me if I'm missing anything here. Um, the, there is a system in place in which there are things that are dishonorable to do. Mm. And if you do... Is it any of them or is it just high level ones? Any of that, them. That, okay. That can be, instead of thinking of it as a Cassus Belly, think of it as like a, a reason, like a grief, a grievance, yeah. right? Um, someone can have a grievance with you. And that grievance can be the, their justification for doing rude shit to you, like invading you, but also like um, uh, defaming you. Or uh, asking, finding you, if or asking your lord to find you, um, and the thing that I think ends up being really interesting about that system is you can also, if you have a grievance with someone, you can kick it up the chain on your side mm. and be like, "Oh, I am but a small baron, dear duke, <laughs> my that motherfucker over there uh, insulted m me and my wife at a party." Could you please go deal with them? Bro, are you and, still a duke? Huh? Are you still a duke in your game? No, I, yeah, yeah, I am still a duke in my game. Yeah, I have oh, not. Wow, made, look at I've, Archon Contreras. I look, I didn't Listen. mean to, but the fucking, the, Arch, the Archon, <laughs> what is it called? The League? The League fell apart. The, the League. And I just oh, became an Archon. <laughs> yeah. Mine, mine stayed all right. Mine, no. mine, mine immediately like, erupted. We don't like our Archon. We don't like our Archon, but it's been fine. It's been, yeah. we're holding together. We have a lot of enemies on the side waiting to chew us up. And so I think it's kind of one of those things that's like, let's just stay in this. Let's just keep this together. Oh, anyway, the point I is, was making... you can go up to, to your Archon yeah. or to your Duke, or depending on where you're at in this thing, and be like, can you fix this for me? And they can be like, no. Which <laughs> <laughs> is extremely funny. Yeah. Uh, when I say it, because I've done that to yeah. minor nobles uh -huh. who come to me with some ridiculous bullshit about some minor grievance. Uh, minor grievance, like, this guy is paying for rebels on my on my planet to <laughs> fuck me up. And I'll go, you can handle that, right? Yeah. Um, which is extremely funny. And then funny. you anyway, send someone to... Uh, uh, become better friends with the person sending the rebels so that you can slide right, in under exactly. there later. <laughs> and you slide, and that's my planet now. Yeah, on the um, other hand, 
somebody else's vassal comes to you with a problem <laughs> like that, and you are like, "Oh my god, how come? Yeah, how he annulled your marriage? How can he not be more supportive? Are you <laughs> That's kidding? so. Uh, oh my god, we would uh, never funding. Rebels? We're a family over here. Yeah, you can tell because everyone in charge is my family. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Now, what happened to the people who weren't my family, whose like lands we now rule? They became part of the family. That's yeah. the beauty of what we that's do the- here. Okay, like that's now, mind you, your kids uh, probably. I'm not even sure I'll allow you to have kids. Uh, oh, my oh my god! Oh, yeah. Quick side note. Quick yeah. side note. So, Shit. in the world of Star, Star Dynasties, Malthusianism is alive and well. But to be fair, it is because everyone's like living on these hostile planets that they can't continue to develop because Earth is fucking gone. But anyway, point is, this is a smart move. It's the me- funny. like mechanically, uh, yes. too many characters gets these things to rage out of control. Like. Especially because this isn't doing what Crusader Kings 3 is doing, where it's like, it's got a really sophisticated character generation program, where it's like everyone's really distinctive and character. Yeah. This is CK2, like, portraits. So yes. there's a lot of, like, a small similar team, looking. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people on this who are like, mm, is that family resemblance, or do you have three noses in this game? <laughs> right, right. So the thing is, or is everyone world, just fucking related, honestly? Uh-huh. You know the yeah, way these true, things are going true, right true. now, like yeah. <laughs> it's like that. What was the Ho- the Habsburg chin or whatever? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh-huh. poor yeah. Habsburgs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck them, but <laughs> I, but yeah, among yeah. their among yeah, uh-huh. uh, but all like so. The thing is, in this world, not a lot of people get to have kids at all, or many kids. Nobles can. But it's bad form to have big families. And so, like, there's kind of a, like, there's kind of a control as to whether or not people have permission to uh, procreate in this Mm -hmm. game. And they might do it anyway, because you don't have control over that shit. Yeah. But also, you can go over that number. It's bad. Don't don't do it. It's dishonorable to do that. There's a reason. Um, And you could raise that number, right? You could raise that number by being rich enough. By basically being like, I can, we, my, our, our faction can support more kids. Narratively, that's what's going on. Is like, if, if, if they, if, if the populace sees your family get too big, they're like, yo, you're hoarding resources and we don't got those, you know? Yes, totally. If you can like pay up, it's like, look, we're fine. We're not taking anything from y'all. Y'all can have low taxes. I'm gonna have like ten people on my in my family doing a million things all over the goddamn system. <laughs> yep, because you can also that's the thing, right? You don't you can give tasks to people who are not in your council in this. Yes, too. Yeah, which is but a, they have which to be family members. Right. The <laughs> other thing, that, which is which is really interesting, I, I we should actually slow down. And there's another huge difference between this and the the, the paradox grand strategy model, which is that it's turn based. An yeah. action point based and not real time. Um, and and action points are you get a base of twelve, and then <laughs> hey, it's Austin, modified. How do I get more action points? What if I want more than twelve? You got to be happy, Rob. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> the world is on fire. Um, oh. you're, you get bonus points based on how happy you are. I want to say there's maybe a couple of other things like if you didn't spend all your points last turn, there's some percent that you know roll over. But there's a happiness bar. That uh, contributes a great deal of of bonus points, which is so good. Yeah. Your Excellency, we're under attack on every front. You need to vibe. <laughs> you just gotta vibe out. Please vibe out. 
I know you want to change your council, but that takes two points, two action points for every change on the council. I need you to just sit with them oh, and it also vibe tanks your fucking reputation too. Oh yeah, totally. Well, it depends on who you're moving around in there, right? But there are people who you could you could fuck around with. Where really? it's not, I guess the thing I was mostly doing was moving them into better positions uh, okay. after people died and stuff. Do you sure, know what I sure. mean? Where it's like. So no one was getting, no one was getting screwed. They were just getting, their titles were getting no, changed. No, it's definitely, you know? uh, so like they like, when, when you have like an action that's going to cause like dishonor, there's like these little red swords on things. And every time I go into the menu that has to do with the council stuff, there's like five red swords. There's the most I've ever seen on a single action. Um, well, that's, is that because like someone very important to you is on the council? Well, this they're the all your family who, members. So yes, yeah. <laughs> technically well, yes. Well, but there's like, there's like close family and then there's like your niece's sister-in-law or right, whatever right. and there's something good about putting people like that in power which is it doesn't matter if you take them out of power uh whereas like if you put doesn't your it? mom as your admiral i, I don't it, think as much I've, well because man, one, one of the things that, the that is dishonorable is screwing over family like that yeah, is part totally. of the but it's two swords dishonorable the, the one that was like five swords was like don't well, do well, no, this it's is your stack. wife homie it's like not your fit. Don't fuck over your council members, and then don't fuck over your uh, oh, closer true. It's family. Both of those. I just the right. closest. But the thing is, what that's what I'm saying is, if you get once you get into the sister in law shit, right? That stuff is mu- seems much less severe than your immediate family members right, right, who you're right. supposed to hold super close. I that's think what that's I'm saying. part of my current issue is that I, it's all very uh, central, like like the, very much the central yeah. family, and I haven't been able to actually annex any of like. I'm actually in a war with my mother-in-law right now uh, because I had a claim to a, a star system that you was right on both, the edge. You both, Yeah, right? It's very funny to be at war and sending my wife over there to be like, can you please talk to your mom? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, These fucking mewling brats who rule the world. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's, it, is a, it is an action point-based system where you get a turn and you, a lot of the things that you do take up points that you have. I think the most points you can have is 16. Uh, and so that, yeah, you've those 16 action points. Most things take a couple of action points. Uh, a war will take a, a bunch because every time you request someone join, it takes action points, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the, like, all of that setup. And in fact, Rob, we didn't even get to the second part of your what's up with war now that I think about it. Because a less interesting there, part, I would say it is, but I'm but I'm still more engaged during it than the model that is just like stuff is happening. I don't know if it's good because yeah. who knows of game how game balance works long term. Yeah, so um, it's doing a bit of. It reminds me a little bit of uh, oh gosh, the uh, endless space, endless space one. Yeah, totally. where it's a little bit like you have certain tactics you can play. The where this comes into. The so in terms of ship combat, the ships are super interchangeable. It's rock paper scissors. I love it. I and, one of the messages I sent a friend while playing this was like, "Here's the actual best thing about this game. Here are it seems all of the ships in this game. <laughs> no stupid shipbuilder, no huge tech yes! tree. You love to see yep. it. It's a very simple rock paper scissors. Big ships lose to bombers. Bombers lose to fighters. Fighters lose to big ships. Thank God. <laughs> so the so." Basically, it doesn't want you worrying about ship like fleet composition. Yeah. That's oh. not what we're here to do. Uh, what comes into play and fitting for a feudal game, commanders, due to ability, and I, I think it might also just be because like 
I'm not entirely sure how to get access to various tactics. It sort of seems like there's a bit That's, of disposition. I've seen it happen. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, it might, be, it might be disposition. Yeah, I guess I don't know how they get the ones they get, but I've seen it pop up as an event that so-and-so has learned a new tactic, you know, when you advance a year or turn or whatever. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there is, there is, they continue to develop post, you know, during adulthood, not just during, you know, childhood or whatever. And so when a battle is engaged, um, each commander, you see the various commands they can issue. And on turn one, they have their full deck, basically, that they can they can play. And I think once they're out of, like, tactics to employ, they have a really passive, like, hey, just like a 5% defense, 5% uh, offense bonus. But you can do other things that are basically like, and I think that's just like commander ability, so it's like a default bonus. But... If you have a tactic, you have something that can cause big swings in terms of uh, effectiveness, like a commander might like lead from the front. And yes, there's a chance that they will die. On the other hand, while they're leading from the front, everything is hitting hard, like mm-hmm. they're just coming straight at you. On the other hand, you could be uh, like uh, tactically flexible, where you're kind of like trading away uh, a lot of your risk factors for just the ability to sort of outlast whatever's being thrown at you. And so good commanders, it's not just that like in the paradox model, it's like, this is a three-star general. And so you'll kind of watch them just kind of wreck house. And there's not much that you'll be doing there here. There is a feeling of, Oh, this commander's so good. Look at how uh-huh. many things they can do. And to a degree, just by virtue of having a big menu of tactics, they can deploy they can just outlast the enemy general. Mm-hmm. Um, they will have moves they can make when the other guy doesn't. Uh, and if you sort of anticipate what the other guy might do, like if it's a, like in the tutorial, you're up against a guy whose main move is I'm going to lead from the front. There's a move that's decapitate. <laughs> where you, just, <laughs> like, you just wait to see the enemy general leading that flagship. Uh, and then you just fuck him up. Mm hmm. Yeah, that and that stuff is like interesting. I need, I need I'm to curious finish to see Legend if it, of Galactic Heroes. <laughs> you should finish. You should finish Legend of Galactic Heroes. Oh, it's good. A character in a different anime reminded me of Oberstein the other day, and I was like, "Fuck, Legend of Galactic Heroes." It's good. Do you remember when Young Wen Lee like is this close to killing Reinhardt at the end of the, the first war, uh-huh, yeah. and like gets stabbed in the back? Oh, uh-huh. it would have been over. It's all right there. That's how history works. Uh, <laughs> It's just great men uh, <laughs> interacting. That's it. That's how history. We all know this. But uh, because they discuss broader structural ideas and issues, you know, <laughs> yes. like it's about great men. It doesn't endorse great man theory. That's that's actually the truth about that show. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, God, the uh, the the thing about that, the war system is like I'm engaged with it right now in a real way. Yeah. I don't know that it's that it's balanced <clears throat> i'm sure that within a week of this thing hitting you know early access which it hits tomorrow or today it hits today as, as of this uh as of as of you listening to this um uh but i you know i'm sure once it hits real people people will be like, oh just you know make sure you get people who do blank and this tactic is un- undefeatable or whatever who knows right like, that's how this stuff works um but i am finding it like interest an interesting way to model this combat that feels like there's some texture to it uh, that feels like there is like I can um, I, I can think of it in the mind's eye, which is which mm-hmm. is all I ever ask for. I will say combat has the most annoying beep sound I've ever heard <laughs> in a video game. 
when events happen in the, in combat and uh, they should change that sound. That sound is brutal to my ears. Um, I, I'm again, early access. I'm sure that that's, that's on the docket. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of interesting stuff here for what it's one of those things where, where even if what you set out to do is make a crusader Kings clone and you're a small development team, I think this is a solo dev with a handful of additional, like uh, out, like outside contract help probably for additional art assets and things like that. Um, uh, so it's a small team. Um, uh, I think even in the process, process of trying to make something called a CK three or a CK clone or something like that, you end up needing to make certain choices Mm. that will make your thing more than just that clone, because those games are very particular and have lots of little points at which the whole thing can turn and change. and, And the character of the game is, can become different. Um, and I think that this is like such a great snapshot of that, of of like, what's that look? What do, what do you what do you mean by that? And like, part of that is, of course, setting and tone and vibe and the fact that this has a particular setting and is not, you know, in line with a more traditional 4X in so many ways. But part of that really is the it's all of the mechanical differences, all of the ways in which uh, it separates itself from the rest of it. And and I don't know. Well, I, this might be a game I play through twice and get like two runs in and I go like, cool, because it does have that board game feel. Mm-hmm. That's what I do with good board games too often. Um, Already, unfortunately. I feel like I'm starting to see uh, certain events pop up one too many times. Totally, yes. Specifically the uh, someone got drunk and made a full ass of themselves with the exact same text uh, happens mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but actually... But again, early so, access at well, the same I was time, gonna, right? I so was, like, that's the question. I was going to say like, uh, I'm sure that even early access will probably they'll probably add more of that sort of thing to it. But what the structure mm-hmm. that's there is actually really great for me as a person who always kind of poked oh, in at these games and like mm-hmm. never really stuck with any of them. I think the thing that we are also that we haven't explicitly mentioned yet about this is that you can see essentially everything, um, and it's a much smaller like space that you have to consider than any other of these, like especially the paradox yeah. games. Right. Um, it's like, it's basically like if uh, in CK three, you never like Ireland is the whole map is the whole map. You zoom all the way out. It's just Ireland all the way down. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and so it feels immediately at that step, just a little bit more um, uh, understandable, even though um, there's plenty of areas that they keep, hidden like i get lots of events that are like unknown God. person in unknown place uh tried to wage rebellion against an uh, unknown other person i was like oh <laughs> shit okay some shit's happening over there happen. i guess i mean stuff is definitely as i've expanded my my like territory i've definitely realized like oh there is an edge to this map that is filling in uh-huh. with additional factions that just weren't there at the beginning or they were there at the beginning but they were beyond my my range, range. Of knowledge totally um, I'm so curious, like what the end game of a session of this looks like yeah. in terms of map size. Um, and and I get that's a good, another great point. Is like even if this map is as big as the as all of Europe in sure. a grand strategy game or something, uh, in, in something like CK, you don't see it all right. up front, and that immediately changes the way in which you're experiencing this game. Totally, you're not marrying your your son off to some distant noble that is so far away. That the daily that their daily actions aren't going to reverberate back in your court. You're going to marry them off to someone who you can basically see. Yeah, and that's going to have immediate consequences, which is another scale decision, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's a 
it's a smart thing because it's a, it, there's a little element of like it's a high school's worth of people that you get to track, basically. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, all oh. you need to know are the clicks and, like, who's uh-huh. sitting at each other's tables, and that's it. And what you don't have is Crusader Kings 3 does a lot to try to, like, grease the skids here and help you, like, get rolling. But at the same time, the very first time, no matter who you are, you're like, okay, it's time to uh, arrange a marriage. And you go, find me an eligible spouse. And a billion people populate that list mm-hmm. from places yeah. that you have never heard of. And yeah. I don't and I don't mean like you don't know the family name. I mean, like, it's a part of the world where you do not even recognize, like, the regional name where you're like, where is that? Boy, those are great stats. But where are you from? <laughs> and then you're like, I can't pass on those stats. And the next thing you know, like, you're obligated to go find a war like you're you're on New right. Island. And it's like, all right, you've been summoned to this fight. In Asia Minor, and you're like, yeah. oh, uh, okay, so we gotta. Um, do I? We do both, I just? How do we? Do we this, walk to Turkey? We, <laughs> we, we gotta walk. I think. I think so. Got any I don't know, just, can... It'll be cool. It'll be like. It'll be like a. It'll be like a road trip. You know, <laughs> we'll just pass down through the continent. We'll get some snacks. You know, we can just get on a boat though, and that'd be faster. What could happen on a boat? It's probably safer than walking. It's probably mm. safe. Yeah, <laughs> just put all our food on the boat. It'll be fine. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have that problem either where it's like you like even small decisions that are just part of the flow of the game uh, where it's like, OK, time to arrange on the marriage time to, uh, you know, see about like bolstering an alliance or something. You don't have a ton of like noise in the like in the signal yeah. where you're like, who is relevant to my game? The part of the world mm-hmm. that I am in who is relevant to it. Star Dynasties. It's all pretty relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. totally. And it's it it just it it definitely feels like if I would recommend this to people who have always thought they might like these sorts of games but felt intimidated by the scale of it all. This I feel like this does a really good job of like having a good introductory scale and possibly yeah, possibly expanding because I definitely noticed little gray blobs start to pop up on the very edges of things. So I'm not sure, yeah. How far it can I just go, gotta know but something. it's very smart. Um, mm-hmm. How did we wind up at Archon Contreras? <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, I <laughs> Look, do. It was know an what... accident. I was just minding my huh? own business. <laughs> um, there. So R- I was Richard the Third. Oh my God, you guys! <laughs> I just had no idea. Oh, where are those kids at? Where <laughs> are those kids? Uh, our our Archon Contreras. It, like, and it was literally like, I didn't. I didn't force this. It happened on its own organically, but <laughs> everyone else could. Yeah. Everyone else. Still, uh, right? it, because what essentially what I did was I was like expanding my person, my, my specific, uh, uh, what I forget what it's called. Uh, okay. Where well, they're leagues. Dominion. And then the next step down is a faction. Then the next step down is what's the bottom step. It's just a planet, right? It's a colony. Is it right? just a colony? Isn't the smallest thing okay, then, just you own one thing? Yeah. So my faction was like growing pretty, pretty mm-hmm. sizably. Uh, the like the league that I was a part of, I was already, I was now bigger than the rest of the league. Okay. Um, which was Were you great. bigger than the faction or the immediate fleets and stuff that the Archon had. I don't know because we never got that far. Uh, I, I see. was planning i was like you know I've, right nobody sure. likes this archon uh i'm sure that i can uh convince some people to kind of take it over and then 
someone who I didn't know. It was like an unknown so-and-so from this thing on the other edge, on the other side of your Archon, came in and like killed the fucking Archon. Which, instead of it being like, okay, they now own that one system and then maybe try to claim the rest of the right. the league, um, it, it just shattered, shattered the, league. the whole league. And suddenly so I did my... That to someone else. My, but I think I did it by wounding or like by taking the capital of right. of an opposing league. So yeah. I think that's the thing. Is if you take that capital, it's, that shit's yeah, done. It's, it's gone. So then my pretty sizable faction became a league of its own. Uh, Wait. <laughs> God damn it. I'm, okay, uh, I'm crying in Star Dynasties. Yeah. Uh, um, which was interesting because then immediately three or four people came to me and were like, yo, you want me to be your vassal? I'll be your vassal. And it just happened because I happened to be the biggest oh, one. In right, that. Because the alternative is that you might crush. Them, yeah. Right. right? Like it was, like, it was great. Hey, it was a great motive. Of I them. like you. Yeah. It was like, like how I ended up taking all those kids lunch money. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like that, Rob. Tell yourself that. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. I wasn't even, yeah. I wasn't even trying for their lands, their, their planets and such. No. When people come to you asking <laughs> yeah. for sucker, like, what are you supposed are you to do? do? Yeah. yeah. It would be dishonorable to turn uh, them away. There was one you moment. You have to extend your flag. There was one moment where someone did some wild shit and I lost a planet to an opposing league and I don't know how still. One of my vassals hmm. was like, yo, I want this place. And I was like, you know what? You've been good to me. I, I want to carry your favor more. Sure. Uh-huh. That's fine. It's right on the edge between me and this other league. Um, and, uh, they're having some Which trouble. It seems to be still true. It's just now it's on the other now side, it's on the other of, the side of Somehow. Wait, they, just, they, they took it. Your vassal took it. And then the vassal gave it away to a different league. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, Was this like a three-party trade? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I, Holy shit. I was like. I wonder if there was a. I you know what? A I could use. Against this here's, person. here's what it really was. It's like I could use a little bit of money. So sure. Uh, I click the like 30 gold things like you can have it for 30 bucks. And they're like, great. Perfect. I, I was I was thinking they're still going to be my vassal. Right. Like that planet was and still. Were be- they in that moment when you. Yes. Hit, yes, yes. yes. Did they, they were my vassal. Yes, they did. Yes. And then as yeah. my they didn't unbecome my vassal. The, but they gave that planet that I gave them to someone else. And okay, left so my say, who is not part who of was not part league. of my league. That's a little part thing a we like to call arbitrage, Kato. See that vassal was like, look, they're not going to get anywhere if they're just trying to like make like grow their empire directly. Yep. They mm-hmm. did a clever little move where it's like, hey, I want that like really softly protected planet. Yeah. I'm just going to take it. Look, I'm fully. And they turned around. They flipped that shit. I'm they were fully, just like they spruced that colony up, and they're like, "Hey, you exactly want this what new it position?" Is. They went in. They painted the walls. They bought some new appliances in there. They made it look a little nicer than it than it looks. Maybe new counters. <laughs> new counters can completely change the atmosphere of a, of a whole space colony. And flip that shit. They probably got sixty for it. You got thirty. <laughs> they got sixty. I'm fully. I'm. I'm terrified right now because so the duke of that place that made the original request. Was is the uh, brother of the original Archon? Oh, you're done. Shit's, you're done. Shit splintered. You're done. Shit splintered, and there was a fight over his over his shit. There was a fight over his shit between me and that other league. Right, the other yeah. league. 
I ended up winning and and like taking them back in. And now it feels like he's absolutely fucking about to just like jump ship to this other league in like two or three turns. And then they will be Does bigger like than you? me. And I'm fucking Have terrified. Throwing a feast in his honor. Yeah, I, 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 I actually about I thirty f- gold, by the way. Yeah. So that would mean Yo, that the money, the money he got, got from, from the him planet. from the planet would, would immediately go into a feast to make him feel better. No, oh, look, that we, guy's having the fucking time of his here. life. He's, we appreciate you. Alternatively, why don't you just kill him? Oh, uh, I might. I or might invite do that. him. We're just like, hey, you know, Kato, I think you have to because I haven't pressed the assassinate button yet. I don't no, know what someone has to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta find out. We uh, gotta find out how that goes. No, I've 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 been too busy on this. Is the issue that's to my north, and I'm like not paying attention up there because to my yeah. south is where my mother-in-law is. And I thought, I thought, <laughs> look, we were on yeah, friendly tell terms. Me about it, buddy. We were on friendly terms. We liked each other. They were on. They were in their own. Uh, they were in their own league. And I was like, look, shit is breaking up. Leagues are are right. dis, uh, dissipating. We're moving into a new era. Why don't of Star you dynasties look, in let's, a way? Let's let's keep it in the family. This is like the chance. The chance. It tells you chances on in this game. It's like. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually kind of it's one of three things. It's either will absolutely not, will do it absolutely, or the middle one, which is the worst one of all, just maybe. Mm. Right. So I had a maybe on they'll hand over this uh this colony to me because we're friendly, we're family. Uh, but the <laughs> the thing I didn't realize is that if they refuse, we go to war. <laughs> Just immediately, and just from me asking Damn. for this planet, uh, I got launched fraught. into a fucking war with my mother-in-law, uh, yeah. where now I'm simultaneously spying on their capital city and have my wife over there trying to smooth things over with them, you know? So, That's just how families yeah. are. Right, exactly. Honestly. That's just... <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I, all, all I said was it would be nice if. If, yeah. And, hon, can you talk to your mom? I feel like it just every time, every time we talk to each other, it's like there's uh, diplomatic repercussions that I just, just don't. Say. We're just talking past each other. Yeah. I think, hon. I think, I think it's like it's, maybe it's generational. I think maybe she just comes from a different generation. I'm a little more forthright. Maybe in her day, you had to like talk around wanting the planet but you know so times are tough thing. we should just say what we want uh, what's I can't great even is go that talk to her. i would if i could but <laughs> i would be shot down at the picket line however i don't think they'll shoot you they <laughs> might i don't, I don't probably I, won't <laughs> um what Maybe i really love arrest about- you but you know who hasn't been arrested <laughs> have you got the thing have you got the thing where so um well, my I, wife was here's the thing i forget what I'm still at yeah. war with that. I was still at war with them until this morning when I logged on for like 30 minutes. And I realized I had accidentally at some point taken a rest of my my father-in-law. You keep... Kata, wait, 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 only wait, works wait. once. You <laughs> don't get to say I accidentally became Archon. I accidentally <laughs> arrested my father-in-law. I accidentally went to war with my Apparently, mother-in-law over if, a planet. If a spy gets found out, they're just immediately arrested. I didn't click a button that okay, says well, arrest that motherfucker. <laughs> right? It was just so like, wait, oh, he's sneaking up, around ended here. Up arrested. Huh? Who ended up arrested? The the my father-in-law. Who was spying on Who was you. spying on me. For my mother-in-law. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so he was doing the thing where he was like, 
no, sweetie, we're gonna smooth this over. I'm gonna come over and like we're talk to Amanda the man. Picket line. She she would be here. If she could, but I'm here to talk to you guys. You know what? I'm talk. I'm gonna talk to your husband. We're gonna we're gonna put this together. We're gonna put this together. We're gonna work it out. Oh, and it's just from um, the fucking brig. It's fucking. You great. find him at your computer, like turn. in the evening, just like with the browser open, the history pulled up. Your your bank info yeah. is like is open. You're like, did you? Did you, Are you use my safe passwords? <laughs> uh, these computers. Are you buying a planet? What are you doing? Stop um, it. And then, so, the the beautiful thing about this is that there's an option. Every, every, every turn, after you hit end turn, all of the other people yeah. take their turns, right? Every single time I hit end turn, the, one of the first things events that popped up was my, my mother-in-law being like, hey, can I, can I get my husband back? <laughs> Uh, oh my god one of the options in there was like sure if we make peace if we stop this war I did and she refused every single time (gasps) (laughs) I love about these decisions is that it's on the button it says um, like maybe when it says maybe afterwards it gives you a breakdown a fucking breakdown of like why why you ended up in the negative basically so you know you can kind of Mm -hmm. push back on the systems after that and be like okay I've, I have to do XYZ thing to kind of curry favor. Um, and it like lists specific grievances and shit. Um, I forget exactly what it was, but like it was multiple turns of, of her coming to me being like, hey, I uh, would love my husband back. And me being like, yeah, I would love this war to end. I would love to us to be, you know, I'll give you your husband back, but he's chilling over here for some crime. So, you know, I mean, I got to talk to the fucking police commissioner. It's a whole fucking mm-hmm. thing. There's paperwork to be done. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think she might be more amenable to just getting him back and like making peace if, for instance, um he and you learned what the nerve whip did? <laughs> uh actually Speaking of yes, buttons, I I'm know for a fact. But I like, know for a fact. Like, you know, I was like, boy, why would I want a nerve whip? This kind of hmm. seems like a situation where a nerve whip might be handy. It was. It was. So what ended up happening? <laughs> no, look, look. It was. Look, so look. here's the thing. I accidentally nerve whipped. Yeah. I was just clicking buttons. And um, I, I said nerf whip. Yeah. And nerf. they heard nerve whip. You know. I was just, you know, I thought it'd be funny if you took like a nerf gun <laughs> and whipped someone. Pistol whip with a nerf gun. Probably still hurts. With a nerf bad. gun. Yeah, probably still hurts. <laughs> um, I ended up after a bunch of turns of currying favor and getting closer and closer to just being able to make peace when she made the request of me, I ended up finding through a menu that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't aware of, um, by clicking on her, like you can get different actions depending on who, what like character you're like, uh, where you're clicking basically. Like if you right click on like the, the like faction name, you get a different set of actions than if you right click on the person themselves. Right. It's like different levels of, what you're gonna do and one of them i i realized actually a couple turns in was oh i have a hundred percent chance to stop this war if i threaten to kill my father-in-law uh so (laughs) after um years years uh i think each turn technically is like one or two years right um of this war just kind of like endlessly going on her being like please Mm -hmm. and it'd be like you can have him back if we stop the war or I'm going to kill him or he's going to die. So really it's a win-win here. If we both, 
end this war Jesus. finally. <laughs> um, Look, why should the nobles who started this not know the dread of losing a loved one that their own people have to live with every day this war continues? Yeah. Damn. True. Skin in the game. Right. <laughs> husband in the game. Should Probably shouldn't have sent your husband as your spy master, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't so ready for this sort of shit. I was doing that with my wife at one point, and it was like, do you want her to go, or do, do you want, want her, her to stay? send her agents yeah. and, and work from here? And I was like, I guess I want her to work from here. That seems safer. And the next turn, I found out that she was having an affair with my brother-in-law. Not my brother-in-law, no, my, my <laughs> daughter's brother-in-law, like, like some not directly related okay. to her okay. <laughs> person. It was, yeah, it was like my nephew-in-law or whatever. Uh, and that was... Like, damn, I should have sent her away. I just would yeah. I, I, that would have kept happening. I just never would have found out about it. I'd be happier. I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't I have this blackmail. This game definitely has a bias toward, like, look, we all just get along. Does anyone benefit from discussing this in the open? From bringing this into the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're space let's nobles. Just, yeah. Come on. Let's just solve it's this internally. It's chill. fine. Just keep that secret. It's very good. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. Star Dynasties. Uh, Kyle, did you have another thought? Uh, I just remembered another small detail about this fucking war with my mother-in-law is that sometime in the middle of it, I fell in love with my mother-in-law, which is oh a my- <laughs> <laughs> what small detail? Uh, which tanked oh. my fucking happiness because I was in an unhappy marriage. <laughs> which you can't do any action. I couldn't do any. I was literally spending each turn being like, well, I guess I'll assign one person to a thing and then hope for the best in the middle. <laughs> How did you forget oh, this? Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh. You have to end this war. Yeah. And also. All right, I'm just, I'm a little. I, I, you, look, what was the? These are. <laughs> I need to know for gameplay reasons. Uh-huh. How May December was this romance? It didn't. I didn't go anywhere because I couldn't because we were at war. There's the other thing. It was definitely. This was not. When you say you fell in love, you mean a unilateral. Yeah. You fell into in, yeah, you yes. an unrequited yes, unre- love, which is why it tanked my happiness because it was unrequited. Uh, did you try to requite it? Did you did you right click and say? Yeah, there was the option, but it was grayed out because we we're at war. This is just like Legend of Galactic Heroes, man. <laughs> yeah. I you need to you need to uh, stop fighting your mother in law. Yeah. <clears throat> And make this happen. I we have to. It's I feel like revolution too, like, is very close. Was the message when you got what was the what was the thing that was like the so in the past when my characters are falling in love, it's like you see them from across from across the ballroom. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. you're at some event and they've taken your heart. It was absolutely what that. Was the moment? It was that. Oh, we got invited to. So she was a, there at a function. There was a third. There was a th- there's a third archon <sighs> off to the east that invited us both to a fucking uh, tournament. <laughs> tournament. <laughs> To a to the to a feast with uh, a tournament at at the fucking tournament, I fall in love with her and just can't do any. Which is why this this war honestly this dragged warfare. down she, for no, so she long. Said she she knows what went, she's doing. She was like, "I'm gonna look fine, right? I'm gonna put all my best shit on. <laughs> I'm gonna do my makeup right. Uh, that motherfucker's gonna fall in love with me, and then he's gonna be so sad when I don't return his letters. And then he's the, we're gonna win this fucking war. Uh, That's whew, it. Was rough. It was rough." Good. 
This is the shit. Yeah. This is the yeah. shit you want. No, I, was I, fucking I, I simply want to play games <laughs> where, as a space noble, I go to another planet space tournament, fall in love with my my mother in law who's at war with me, and then be unable uh, to just like fall into a deep depression and be unable to win this war. What's better than this? Yeah. God, <laughs> no, that's Perfect. right. That's right. Because you're losing action yeah, points. Yeah, right. you're right. Like, that's oh, right. Shit. right. Yeah. This is this is the highest level yes. intelligence warfare we've ever seen. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, and the fact that it and the fact that it comes back around to like a resolution with her husband, like the whole thing is predicated. Like I, sir, we it's need like you get honey potted by Maria Teresa. Uh huh. Unbelievable. Yeah. There were shots fired in this war, but none of them mattered. It was all the fucking political shit around it that actually ended up changing well, the outcome of this war. Right, of course. Uh, which is beautiful, it's which is like, a beautiful thing. You, you can't make it to the war room because you're too busy sending her pleading face emoji. <laughs> Ma'am. Please. Ma'am. Ma'am. <laughs> oh god oh. damn so anyway hey, so how was the peace talks pretty going fucking good. <laughs> how's your mom look <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what'd she say about me oh, oh, god damn it oh. <sighs> anyway it was absolutely Star dynasties. Well, it's, it's great it's great I don't, I don't even know what systems are pushing against each other but it was absolutely after the like fifth year of her asking for her husband back that I fell out of love and was able to do actions again. Um, it's just mwah, beautiful. Just Five the years of wanting your husband Wait. back. You start to feel like maybe it's not going to happen for yeah. you two. <laughs> did you. Did you arrest her husband before or after you fell in love with her? I really got to know. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, fuck. Was, the, was that after the tournament tournament i really so this is the difference between <laughs> tragedy this is between the difference between being a tragic hero and an outright villain yeah. is because <laughs> if you fell in love with her at the tournament and then no, you I know, think it was... a year later her husband came through and you were like well, <laughs> well homie see. you live here now in this closet oh uh, no i think it happened the i think it happened the other way around which is okay. weird but also i guess it's like is where you see the like oh but there's a there's a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there? No. Well, but you might think there is because there's a. Because <laughs> her husband is in your jail, yeah. in your fucking dungeon, <laughs> your space dungeon. Archon Contreras oh. just t- making the ultimate heat check. Yeah. Oh. Just like. <laughs> oh. Look, I know it sounds like it would be a difficult relationship to make work, but I think I can pull this off between my gi- <laughs> between my dungeon, my neural whip, and my fleet and my many vassals. I am pretty sure I could make this affair happen. It's fucked up too because it counts it as incest, even though we're not related by blood. But that also gives you dishonor. So it's like fair. even if you go through with I it, I think it's fair. Kyle. Yeah, it's yeah because it doesn't say the little thing. The little two red swords is not incest it's don't See, sleep with, with your, your family your kin. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, kin. yeah for sure she's kin at this i didn't point. say it was unfair i just say it's fucked up you <laughs> <laughs> were just rules lawyering the honor system it's in fucked this up game. for my for my archon to be in that position couldn't couldn't do uh-huh. shit about it uh <laughs> the heart wants what it yeah, wants i guess so <laughs> and my heart wants the, the mother-in-law i'm at war with god fuck
the mother-in-law I'm at war with is is definitely the name of the romance novel set in yeah. this this universe. God, um, uh, we should take a break. That's that's about as yeah, positive as so. a segment on Star Dynasties as I could have imagined. <laughs> Thank you, Kato, for bringing the fucking heat yeah, no on this one. Oh, god damn! All right, uh, let's take a quick break. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we are back. We are going to dip into the question bucket. If you have an email, you can send it to gamingadvice.com. This comes in from Brendan. If I was going to get into Stalker, where should I start? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, same. So I was talking about this on Twitter the other day. Yeah. Um, I think as I was talking to Dia. Um, so the question is a little bit complicated, but I think it, it breaks down two directions. Uh, Shadow of Chernobyl is the first game. It requires modding to mm-hmm. be worth playing. Um, and there's a few different, like, there's a few different total conversion mods that are out there that are, they're probably worth checking out. So like, there's a little bit like, decision making you have to do if you're going to go that route here's the other thing um it has probably the highest highs in the series the most iconic moments Mm. but there's also a really long linear third act that lets loses a lot of what's great about that game and it can be a little bit obscure like what it's asking you to do uh it can be a very frustrating game in in some ways Call of Pripyat is the last game in the series and is probably the best standalone game of the bunch. It is the most seamlessly open world. Um, and if you played them, you you'd get what I mean. It's the first two games are very much like go to this new tiny little hub. Call of Pripyat feels much more expansive and it's much more self-contained in some ways as well. The mm-hmm. like Call of Pripyat is basically you are being sent in as like a Spetsnaz commando and you're just going to go in on this mission uh, to sort out some business in the zone. It goes bad from the jump and it's basically a Far Cry game, Uh, but it's like Far Cry games were good. Uh, So like (laughs) you're just a lone actor now in this strange alien war zone and it works the best out of the box, probably has like the best loops. Uh, It's sort of the most developed uh, stalker game in some ways. But what you're not going to get are quite as many of those like astonishing authored moments that you find in Shadow of Chernobyl. And that's your trade-off. If I mm-hmm. were like, my experience with Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl was incredibly special to me and like one of the most impactful things that ha- that I had happen. But if I were to tell you, like, go play Shadow of Chernobyl, that's me trying to get you to recreate my experience in some <laughs> ways. And I'm not sure it's the best advice. 
I because th- when I played it, it was the only game in town. Right. I think mm-hmm. the advice I would give now is like, look, Shadow of Chernobyl just kind of uh, Call of Pripyat just kind of works. Yeah, I would go with that. And that way you're not getting into that second step of like, do I want the complete mod? Do I want to look at Anomaly, which completely meshes things together? Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I think Call of Pripyat is the one. I guess that's not true. Right? The, the one that I what was the what's the second one called? What's the middle one? What's the clear middle sky, one? which is clear unfairly mine. Yeah, I don't know, maybe I did play Call of Pripyat last. Then I'm trying to remember. In any case, I I think it was Call of Pripyat, and that was the thing that pushed me over the edge. Was very much just like I want to just play this game. I don't want to make big picture choices about game balance and you know uh, whether or not I download texture packs for stuff. I want it to basically look the way it looked then, but okay on my widescreen monitor and. And that was kind of it, and and had a good time. So is well, is the issue with <clears throat> Chernobyl, start of Chernobyl, mostly uh, visual, or is it also like there's mechanical issues with it? Both. Like <laughs> Shadow of Chernobyl was made on older graphics tech, so like the weird thing is, uh, Clear Sky out of the box was a much more like graphically sophisticated and attractive looking game. Shadow of Chernobyl did not look like that, but with mods, you can make it look pretty damn close. Right. And so uh, you can mod it to look aesthetically gorgeous, but also out of the box, huge amounts of Shadow of Chernobyl just were kind of janky and didn't work well. And so there have been a lot of mods to fix things, but you end up, and Austin alluded to this, you end up with a lot of doctrinal near Oof. religious strife among mm-hmm. the like various total conver- this thought maybe maybe this converged since then but, like last i checked there were uh stalker complete i want to say was like the easiest and smoothest like newbie onboarding game mm-hmm. there was a long-standing mod effort to basically like turn the faction system that existed in the game as kind of a half-developed feature that they did more with in clear sky there was an attempt to try and make that a viable in-game uh, like ecosystem. Hmm. But at that point, you're substantially changing the game. Right. And so you, you run in that with Shadow of Chernobyl where like it, you're not very far down the modding route before you start running into major questions about like, hey, what is this game and what was it supposed to be? And that can be a little bit murky as well. Totally. I, I hope that helps. Oh, go ahead, Kata. Well, I should say I put seven hours at some point in my life into uh, Shadow of Chernobyl, and I don't remember how. But I'm like hearing the, the. I feel like the way you talk about the highs in that game, I almost kind of want to go through it just to see if those see exist. Those. Yeah. yeah, it's um, the thing is, its first four hours are just brutal. Like uh-huh. its first, its first four hours are just you. You're a dude. Here is a dog shit Toker F pistol uh-huh. um, and not enough ammo for it. And I think I can't remember what order this is in. Uh, first, it's like go through this tunnel with this haunted tunnel, basically tunnel. with electricity the first and it's far away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the first combat sequence you get, it's like, hey, go clear this warehouse yep. of uh, bandits in any other game. <laughs> this is easy. In Stalker, because Stalker is a gun guy I didn't guy even get game. past the fucking fence. Uh. I didn't even get past the fence. <laughs> because you're like, you roll in there with a bunch of guys, but all of you have these, like, ancient military, like, handguns. 
And some of the dudes you're up against, like, yeah, most of them only have, like, handguns and, like, sawed-offs. But, like, one of them might have, like, a cut-down AK-74 or something like that. And that changes the entire fight. Yeah. And so you're trying to plank dudes from, like, 20 yards away because they're acing you Mm -hmm. from, like, 20, 30 yards out. Fuck. And your gun doesn't do anything at that range. Yeah. So (laughs) your first four or several hours in now, now having gone through the crucible of stalker, I'm saying all this. I'm like, it's incredible. Like I've never been more alive than just like (laughs) ninjaing through that warehouse. Right. But if you haven't internalized how the game's tactics really work and where it's going to be unforgiving and where it's going to be a little bit loose, it's a lot of painful trial and error. Totally. Um, I it's really good though so it's, it's I'm with you I feel like part of me just wants to say like just just play the first just play the first one even though it's a pain to, to get going <laughs> um all right next question comes in uh from I'll just read the whole thing uh I've listened to your podcast for a while and I'm hoping you can help me I'm a queer lady playwright and I've recently had the opportunity to write for two different video game studios one small and cool one very big and now famous for being not cool I can't say much about studios or games because of NDAs, but I've I've hit a weird phenomenon in both of these gigs. I wanted to ask y'all if you if you'd seen this before. Um, so what's happened both times is I get hired to write for a game. I don't really get much direction up front about what the client wants in terms of tone or content, but as I'm writing it, the feedback that I get is generally positive. The people who hired me say nice things about what I'm doing, and I feel good. Then, usually about a month in, I get up, I get the boot really unceremoniously. And the people who hired me never really tell me why or give me a chance to fix it before letting me go. I slink away and wait for the final invoices to come through, and then it happens again. I don't know if the studios use my work after firing me, but either way, my ego is definitely bruised. In theater, if a writer gets fired, it's usually for something big. So, I guess my question is, do video game studios really go through writers like Kleenex as an industry norm, or is this something I've been doing, uh, is this something I've been doing unknowingly? Is it normal for game studios to not tell writers what they want at virtually any stage? Seinfeld voice, what's the deal with this? Uh, I feel like I keep getting the boot with no direction about how to course correct. Are there studios that that are known for being good to their writers? And what do y'all think I can do to avoid having this happen again? Thanks in advance, Wounded Playwright's Ego. This seems mm. in this seems bad and also n- not that surprising for this industry. Um yeah. uh I, I, the industry is so big that it's hard to paint with the broad brush. And I've heard experiences from writers ranging from disastrous and, and deeply, you know, dehumanizing to being really respected and being part of a core team that helps lead the direction of a game. Uh, what I will say is fundamentally, if I had to say like, what is true about video games and writers, it's that writers tend to be devalued um, for, because of formal reasons more than like judgment reasons or, or or active prioritization. It's a knock-on effect of writing being secondary to design. Um and and both of those things being somehow leashed or or fenced in by technology and and also by quote unquote the market and and what a sales you know or a marketing team might advocate for. Um so I, I would start by saying I your your story does not sound um I doubt it's something you did specifically separate from, uh, you know, whatever the individual projects were. Um, uh, this does this is this does not sound unlike other stories I've heard in this fucking mm. industry. 
um, I guess as is what I would say is like inside of the bracketed space of does this sound like a thing that would happen to a writer who did not fuck up in a major way? Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, uh, especially as as you know a, a queer a queer lady uh, who's who's in this space. Like there's all sorts of uh, you know um, uh, bias at play here in terms of who gets cut and who stays on. So I, I definitely think that's a complete possibility. Um, I'm curious if people have have action though, or have next step type advice here. Kata, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just gonna say that I've, it also, um, especially at a, a bigger place, um, I've like heard that it can, like, you'll get good feedback from your direct superiors, but then um, the actual people in charge will not get a look at it until. Um, probably much further than they should have right like they yeah, should, yeah. like like top leadership should probably be bought in much earlier when uh you're talking about hiring and firing people but for some reason given how many things that they're like in control of and like their time and stuff like they tend to not for some like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird setup that i've heard from multiple people who uh work at, at kind of bigger studios that i know um where like they'll work for months on a thing and then I mean, like get approvals from their boss, but then once mm-hmm. it gets shot up to the next boss's tier, they have to scrap everything and start over. Because um, someone had an idea to change X yeah. to Y, mm-hmm. or or didn't think it was going to be X to begin with, had always been imagining it as Y, sees the first steps down the, the X path and is like, "What is this? This isn't what we agree to." Right? Because there wasn't uh, an alignment early enough on. Right? Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I would also just throw out there. I don't know how it I don't know how it is at some studios, but I, I do know that there is because you have a high turnover industry and a lot of people do not stay at the same place for extended periods. You have a mentorship problem and that yeah. eventually mm-hmm. turns into a leadership problem and a management problem. And so I think to an extent. For all I know, there might be something you're doing and in a normal functional place people would be able to say like hey here's what's going on could be what kato alluded to where it's like so i gave you these directions you wrote to spec and now somebody else has seen what's up they don't like it and i'm just going to quietly back away from all of this (laughs) and leave Mm -hmm. you twisting uh which kind of a gutless move but one i can imagine happening but the other thing is when you don't have like a culture of good mentorship and training and ability to learn how to process conflicts. It's really easy for people to get really conflict avoidant uh, and really uncommunicative, especially with contract workers that you Mm -hmm. don't have. Like it's not like a full-time employee where like hiring and firing decision is a major decision. Contractors to a degree are more disposable. That's part of the appeal of the model for, for an employer. Um, And so like, it isn't hard for me to imagine that, there are people just not providing feedback because that sounds like a bummer. I don't want to give, I don't don't want to give negative feedback. Yep. Um, which, which brings me to the thing I was going to say is like, you're super within your rights to email who the person who was your direct supervisor and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, what happened here? Can I get a, a, like, I'm not asking for a lot of time, but I would love a postmortem on this so that I can, you know, ensure that future contract work that I do goes more steadily um you know be professional about it but like you're you can make that demand Uh, in fact one of the things that's worth saying is that like as you're negotiating contracts for work like this it is possible in that period in my experience to say hey i would really love to just get it in writing that like if i'm being let go for something that there's some sort of explanation for 
why that is. Like, this is for higher work. I know that, like, you're going to, who knows, the project could, could get canceled. Someone could come in and say, we're going to toss all the contract writers, whatever. But I would love to, I, I would like to be able to at least talk to someone about that process when that happens. Uh, and so it doesn't happen unceremoniously. Also, make sure you get, like, a good kill fee rate just in case, because mm. if you had gotten this contract hoping that it would be six months of work and that it was a month of work, you should make sure they pay you for like three or four months of work. Um, and if they refuse, then like that's you can start negotiating around that. And maybe they talk them down to maybe they talk you down to two months or something. Um, but but if if they're going to let you go on, from a project that was supposed to last you many months, you are within your rights to negotiate for some sort of of kill fee up front so that when that ha- one when that happens, uh, you'll you'll get paid still, but two, they will be less likely to cut and run on you because they'll have to pay you for some of it. Um, don't be afraid to to negotiate for yourself. These companies, especially the big company you talked about, uh, I don't know that that company is. That was not me. I don't actually know. There's lots of. It turns out there's lots of big companies who are bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but but they have more money than they know what to fucking do with sometimes. Uh, it's just that they don't give it to their workers. <laughs> um, and so, and so there is a, you, you should be willing to, to advocate for yourself in that way. Um, and, and if they're confident in the project, they should not mind setting up a kill fee because that is, that is one of the things that's like a industry standard in, in, or that's a industry standard in the world of writing at least. And, and when you position yourself in that way and you demand, they take, take you seriously, there are ways in which you end up with a sort of, um, kind of societal leverage to 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 have that when you have that conversation again. I'm talking about in my experience, I'm a dude. Uh, uh, you know, I'm a, a queer black dude. So I'm also marginalized in certain ways in these conversations. Uh, so I, I do understand the fear of being like, well, what if this person just says no? That's not how it works here. But it's better. I I really believe, and again, this is about my experience doing work with games writing to have that conversation up front and to advocate for yourself as strongly as you can because the chances are in the moment they want to hire you they want to hire you and they want to work with you um and if you're if you're advocating for yourself in a reasonable way they're probably going to try to make something happen towards towards giving you the terms you want because they want you to be happy and they want you to do good work for them so that's your max um, leverage moment Tim. yes because like that, 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 yep. that that's probably just practical like yep. they're not all, they're also one of the reasons they're hiring you is they don't have to worry about this part of the job quite as much. (laughs) And so like this moment where your, their attention is on you and they just kind of want to get you work for them. And so like, don't fall into the trap of thinking like, well, no, I'll do good work and then I'll prove myself. And then we can discuss this. No, it's got to happen right then for a lot of reasons. And one of them is just at that moment, they care more. And in three (laughs) weeks it's like, cool writing check onto (laughs) how are the graphics on level three? (laughs) I've absolutely seen that 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 mindset of like, yeah, I'm gonna get in there. It's just a temp job, but if I do good enough work, I'll definitely get hired. When there's like no, never been a mention of that being a yeah, path to full employment. And it's just like if they don't say it, do not expect it. It will not be the thing on their mind, basically ever for contract work. You know. Hmm. Totally. Um. I have a, a. This is. This is a weird one. I'm gonna read it and just urgent question. From Jeverage in Canada. How do you eat bread? Hello, Waypoint friend. I want to quickly define terms first. Mm. Let's imagine a slice of bread. I'm talking regular, regular ass supermarket wonder bread or whatever. It's like a house, right? The bottom is a flat edge and the top is like a roof looking part that's curved. Yeah. Cool. Same page. Okay. If you're eating a whole uncut sandwich, or a single slice of bread, or anything like that, do you start from the bottom, 
or the top. What? Now this next bit is bolded. I have always started from the bottom. One now day a few years ago, yeah. One day a few years ago, I noticed my partner at the time eating a sandwich and starting from the top. I commented on it and she looked at me like I was a ghost. I've since asked family and they all agree that I'm in the wrong. Please defend or attack me. P.S. I'm no longer in that relationship, but I promise the breakup was almost entirely unrelated to bread. Uh, uh, Hang on. Uh, yeah. So neither? Uncut sandwich. Uh, okay. so that's, I'm, that's just where I'm taking issue. Who the fuck doesn't cut a sandwich? You cut you that cut shit diagonally. I will never. Wait, never. I prefer to... <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck doesn't cut it in the middle? You cut it if you're doing a Wonder Bread ass sandwich. Triangles. Because don't you don't you don't want to start with crust. You so want to start wait, at the middle where the, the good you shit also, is. You could do a middle cut where you end up with just like a squared off yeah, that's, line that's, that you're biting that's into. That's fine, I guess. But you get I mean, more. you're also biting into a line if it's an angle. Right, right. right. The, the but the line cut. the line doesn't have crust on it. This is the important part. You don't start from the bottom or the top. You because so the key for you is you don't want to bite into crust. The end. The crust is at the end. The crust is kind of like a, a, a you know an like a, a treat. What's what's the ap, not, not aperitif? That's not a, before. No. The, the one that's after. Yeah, a digestif. Oh. Yeah, yeah, a digestive. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It helps you digest the rest of <laughs> the, the rest of the bread. System. It's got a the little bit more fiber in it, you know? Like it's <laughs> yeah, but if you do it the way Jeverage does it, you get a little bit front and it's like it's built, it's setting right. you up. Then it's you know, an it's starting the engine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get it both, though. Rob is very <sighs> distraught. I can't imagine the bottom or the top of a slice of supermarket bread. Is look, not a thing that's look, ever registered look. to me as a point the, to consider. The top is wider, so right. So you think about this. Not about really. This yeah. Well, look, <laughs> look. Hold on. Hold on. Only in the way in which no one's ever drawn a circle or no square created look. by man is actually. Uh huh. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm drawing looking. something. You don't have a camera on. I don't. I don't. I'm gonna take a picture and send it. Oh this is God. taking longer than I thought it would. I made a drawing. The top of a bread is wider. Um, here in the Discord bread diagram. Well, that, that could be because of the bread pan. Some of them do mushroom over the top. Yes, yes. some yeah. are That's baked what, in the pan. And they just created wonder. Dough. This is this is. Uh, Jever specifically said Wonder Bread store bought Wonder Bread, which always does this thing. Right, the top Piece is of wider. Wonder Bread. Right. One second. So, I'm gonna get a photo of Wonder Bread. I don't know that it actually is wider, Kato. I actually think this is very an optical dramatic, That's a dramatized Wonder Bread slice. If you start biting at the top, Where you're gonna you end this? up with see this. the two little muffin top edges. He DM'd it to me and only to me. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I thought that was the group Perhaps chat. Because I was the one who expressed out. I don't here, think here, this here. is true. Here. Here's that's so. This is the thing, Kato. You got you're getting gamed. No. What? Yeah, I'm looking at real photos of Wonder Bread as we speak. Wonder Bread. <laughs> Rob seems to have left. Um, look at it. Actually, look at it. Actually, look at it. Open it up in um, MS Paint. Get a line. No, See? you're right. It's widest in the middle. Actually, yeah. Maybe. maybe it's hard to say. Maybe it is a little bit. Hmm. Here's the thing. Okay. Look, if you take a bite out of Rob, the top, thank you for coming back with bread. <laughs> If you take a bite out of the top Wegmans, of a piece of Wonder Bread. Uh, 12 seed bread loaf. That's a good bread. That's a nice bread. I haven't yeah. been to a Wegmans in a minute. Wegmans, they don't do that here. We got, got one a, recently got a, in Brooklyn. Oh, do you have a Wegmans down there? There's a what Wegmans near fancy. the Navy Yards, apparently. They just opened yeah. one it, like it was a madhouse. 
Why? Okay, what? I like a, a Wegmans, but it's not all that. Yeah, I know. But people... Uh, in Brooklyn, it would be, though, right? Because there's not that many big supermarkets. I guess that's true. But you okay. don't need big supermarkets when you got little supermarkets. Oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> what is this? It's a supermarket bread loaf, Kata. It, it doesn't fucking count. It, it, so you'll note it tapers a bit in the middle, but fundamentally, the bottom uh, and the top are the same width. In fact, it might even be a little wider at the bottom. Right. No, you're right. I think. Yeah. I think. Here's the, the what I was trying to get at. I'm I'm now opening Photoshop. Is if you take a bite, if you start at the top here, you've got those little indents at the edges, right? You end yeah. up with dangly bits on your sandwich if you start what? biting from the center of the top. But who's biting from the center? <laughs> Why are you biting from what? the center of the top? When you don't start at the middle? That's where there's not more when stuff. It, not when I'm eating an uncut sandwich. Okay, so you're saying... <laughs> hold, that on, you hold, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> can you put your eye, can you line your eye up through it? Like, uh, yeah, that. now we're fucking talking. <laughs> Oh, okay. Got a screenshot of that for later. Uh, well, I'm gonna tweet it right now. I'm just gonna put it. I'm just put it out there. This to me this is-, is sandwich eating. <laughs> no, you don't. Not folded, right? The 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 point is two well, two it's- slices that are lined up, right? You said from the center. Now watch. If it were to be cut in the middle. What we have is a new edge. <laughs> what he's saying is, if you like, hump, like unfold it, yeah, and you just go right into the mushroom top part of <laughs> the uncut sandwich, yeah, then you you get. Lands, I get what he's saying. You get dangly he's bits. Saying, but that's why you don't. You just come in. I'm an angled. I want to come in on the side. I want to come in. I'm just gonna eat a sure. whole uncut sandwich. Well, like, here's Hur. here's what's important. Here's you know what's what important. Like, Hur. What is the sandwich up? Because depends. Because See, if now, you have meat, now, if you have rounded meat, really material point. If you, <laughs> which is that the important part is not actually what part of the bread are we starting our consumption of the sandwich well, with? No, it's just like if we're trying to answer this question, we have to understand what is within the bread because flour. When you have, water. when you have, <laughs> no, no, in the sandwich, when you have like rounded deli cuts, right? There's mm-hmm. a, there's a there's a there's corners of bread that have no meat in it, right? This is why you want to start in the center. Rob's leaving again. <laughs> Rob's, Rob stepped away. I don't. If it's a PB and J, you got the spread all the way to the corners. That's it's all the way. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. That's a good sandwich all the way. Yeah, yeah. you can you can you're start that whatever. Right, but you're saying that that. If it is, if if there's a lot, see, I don't always want to just start with a big mouthful of whatever is in the sandwich. Sometimes I want to lead in. Did you get a second piece of bread, or did you just leave? No, no second. All right, maybe <laughs> Wait, we did get on. a second piece of bread. Yeah, something's no bread. Is there more bread? No, I got some deli cuts. Okay. Okay. Great. These aren't. These are probably not going to be round, right? Just to prove. Oh no, they're round. Uh huh. I got the reset uh, de Leon salami here. Hmm. Okay, so I got tiny little round salami. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. the small yeah, okay. rounds, right? Lay it on the counter. But you're gonna la- but you're gonna look, layer them. Yeah. You you you, you okay. make a sandwich, right? So look I was talking, I was saying you missed this part. We were already talking we already got past this part where there's corners of bread without meat because they're rounded, right? How little are these bites you're taking? I don't know. You bite in until you get to the stuff. I'm not nibbling at the <laughs> corner. 
I'm just saying this is why I would start at the middle because there's going to be meat there where the corners might have a little. I maybe started at cheese. the middle, but you got angry. <laughs> the center of the slice, the middle of Not the top. The but the, it's a circle. It's gonna be there. It's not. A, it's not gonna it's not be in the corners. It's, it's not an oval. It's not gonna. Here, I'm gonna draw a bite onto this thing. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, Please. This is Are how. You can post it in the chat. Be a mouse just, and then. I'm oh no! I can't get through all this crust. <laughs> but you, your diagram is already wrong because your diagram is a chef's hat. If I saw that diagram in a game of Pictionary, I'd be like, "Chef's hat. That's a chef's hat. It's one of the. What are those called?" Uh, <laughs> wow! I don't know. What <laughs> oh, I'm really excited to see whatever you fucking just show us what you drew, Kata. <laughs> I don't know show what happened class. here, but just show us this thing in the center is just uh fucking meat. Okay, that's what it is. What it's meat. He hasn't posted anything yet. Here, listener. So, so I drew this the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you making a hell sandwich? Why did you put hell in this? I don't know. I just drew a circle with my ellipse tool. You don't know. I made a circle with the ellipse tool in Photoshop, and out came a hell. Literally, hell nine thousand is what you drew on this. On this, and I also drew the bite marks under the meat on accident too. But you see, wait, you see where the bite marks are coming out of hell. I think bite mark analysis visual aids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you understand that the amount of distance between the corners and the meat is not so great as to not be? uh, 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 This is not Zeno's paradox. I don't. I don't need to eat halfway and then halfway and then halfway. I'm gonna get to the meat. Let it be known. Yeah. Austin Walker gonna get to the meat. You're gonna get to the meat. This is about preference. You're gonna get to the meat either way. But I would prefer to start. With what I'm expecting. Okay, but listen, right? okay, wait. Here we have, here we have a, a perfectly, uh, we're back to Jeverage's point, or question. Here's the situation. You got yourself a sandwich. <laughs> we're now looking at the diagram, how 9,000 on a piece of Wonder Bread. Do you start from the bottom of the top? If you can't cut it, there's no knife to be found in right. this scenario. I don't know why. <laughs> They've all been dirtied, perhaps. They're all... And and for whatever reason, you don't feel like you have the strength. You're, to, you're very tired. You're on a, you're on a has, picnic. You, Here's the thing. You try to rip a sandwich in half. Just been, you're going to get. You've just you're been get. accidentally nerve whipped. And someone <laughs> slides under the dungeon door a single oh. How 9000 sandwich. It's the future. That's why we're all eating robots now. And you don't have the strength to break this bread in half or, or, or to, to spread this sandwich apart. So you're going to have to take a bite. Do you take the bite from the top or the bottom or the sides? Or do you do a Rob Zachney fold it and take a bite into the middle, the center, revealing a hole? No, I just did that out of spite. <laughs> I see. Yeah. You wouldn't actually eat a sandwich that way. No, I would just put another slice of bread on top and then I would go about my day and not worry about it. One way or another, it's getting eaten. See, I think if you start at the top, you've made a mistake structurally. Because of the the indents and the little bits, I of feel extra like you're gonna get. Full, I feel like the asking sides. the question is the mistake. <laughs> I feel like when you're like, "Here's the thing," I have passionate feelings about, and someone looks at you like you're a ghost. <laughs> that might be the moment where it's like, "Oh, I should call those words back." <laughs> yeah, I've opened up part of my. I revealed that I am a type of person that previously I'd been, but only to myself. New type and of guy just moment, 
Hey, want to hear about the only normal thing to care about? <laughs> Honey. Look, no. Uh, Look, honey, do you take a bite from really, the bottom of the breath? Red flattening. They, that um, relationship, they, they, they look like a ghost because they disagreed, not because they thought. I don't. I don't. See, I think you. Uh, I think you, I, no, read no, no, that no. email again. I think Jeffrey might have misinterpreted that no, look. No, no, yes, I'm. Yes, Jeffrey yes. doesn't know why the room goes silent, and it's I'm with, like I'm with obviously Jeffrey. they hate me because I speak the truth. <laughs> yes, I've since asked here. I commented on it, and she looked at me like I was a ghost. I've since asked family, and they all agree that I'm in the wrong. And right, I think okay. what Jeffridge is in the wrong about is caring about <laughs> what side is having a, a, a fight in this war. Uh, no, Jeffridge. I think we need war. a follow up from Jeffridge. <laughs> we need specifics. We already got a follow up. I'm no longer in that relationship. <laughs> but, but I promise the breakup was almost true. But our reliable true. narrator can tell us uh, yeah. that it had nothing to do with that. Oh, fuck. Uh, well, Kato, it's one... like Jeffridge is in good company. Kato's we... like all on board with this question. You're in good right. company, right? Other people care about this. You yeah. have to find people in your life who care the way you do about the things you love. Share your <laughs> passions, your dreams, like eating a bread, <laughs> eating a sandwich from the top or the bottom. Oh, wait, no, I think <laughs> Jeffridge is top, right? No, bottom. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, uh-huh. Jeffridge. Jeffridge is bottom. Okay. Yeah. No, that's right. I agree. <laughs> Okay. Shout outs to Jeffridge. Shout outs. Shout outs to Jeffridge. Uh, one final email here. This one's from uh, Jacob in Uppsala, Sweden. I'm going to say in advance. Apologies if I butcher any of these words. I'm doing my best. Hello. I'm from Sweden and I have a theory about the two liters of pickles that were mentioned on the pod. As a reminder to people, someone bought two liters of pickles and then saw, and then saw after they bought it that it was that they were like uh, going bad in two days, basically. Right. Something like that. Uh, the common Swedish Your term life for pick- ends in two days. <laughs> <laughs> the common Swedish term for pickle is saltgurka, which translates to salted cucumber. The term is often used both for cucumbers that are pickled with salt only and those pickled with vinegar and sugar, but this type can also be specifically called atiksgurka or vinegared cucumber. I believe the type of pickles the other listener's mother purchased was saltgurka. My mother comes from a part of Sweden where saltgurka is common. Especially this brand commonly sold in large buckets, and we often buy some when we visit uh, my grandparents. Since salt gurkha, since salt gurkha, the plural of salt gurkha, are pickled in just salt and water and not fermented, they have a fresher taste but a shorter expiration date. The high salt content also means keeping the cucumbers in the juice uh, for too long will make them too salty. Best regards, Jacob from Uppsala. So they're just that they're cured cucumbers. They're cured cucumbers. Yes. <clears throat> not pick. Yes. Not actually. Not what we think when we well, say. Well, and so, so this is. We also got an email from someone who said that, and, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm just wrong about this. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just wrong about this. Uh, uh, Al wrote in to say, I wonder if you're getting a few emails like this, but the thing I've had to clear up for myself recently, so I thought I'd share. Sauerkraut is fermented cabbage. There's folks out there that do a better job of, exp- of explaining the difference, but pickling and fermenting are both excellent ways of extending a life of foods. That leaves you with wildly what? different and delicious things to eat. Wait. The way I think about it might not be entirely correct. Is fermenting is alive and evolves, and pickling preserves. I thought, I thought pickling preserved through, through fermentation. I thought there was fermentation happening in pickling. Am I wrong? No. About this? So no, there are fermented pickles. Those are different. <sighs> they are pickles, but it's a different thing. <sighs> pickling is the process of preserving or extending the shelf life of a food by either anaerobic fermentation in brine yeah. or or immersion in vinegar. 
Um, that second one, okay. Interesting. But that means, hmm, is sauerkraut only fermented then? It's not I, oh, I pickling? I so, yeah, because the, the, the taste okay. is... Now we're the, in the logic the, problem question. Not all, the yeah. sour, mm, yeah. Production. Sauerkraut is made by a process of pickling called <laughs> lactic acid <laughs> fermentation that is analogous yeah. to how traditional, not heat-treated pickled cucumbers and kimchi are made. Is kimchi... Kimchi's so fermented. Kimchi is pickled. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's, bo- it's both, right? It's fermented and... Pi- it is. It is the. Oh no! It is the p- it's, it's all pickling. We're, <laughs> we're, we're fucking it up. We're fucking it up. It's pickling. I think it's yeah. all pickling. About, there's a type of non-fermentation pickling. Pickling. Correct. Yeah. And then and that is pickling, which encompasses multiple methods. Yes. Right. Totally. And we think that this brand of pickles, which looks like bananas, I'm gonna I'm gonna post this. <laughs> I'm just gonna post the image actually direct, so I can get a, just a clear. I can't. It's not letting. Oh, here it goes. The 14 megabyte JPEG here, uh, or PNG <laughs> for this kind of Gurkha brand uh, pickle. What? Uh, yeah. What? I don't know what's going on with Listener, these. Listen, we are looking at an un uh, un an unpickle, a, 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 a peeled oh. banana, a peeled banana being passed off as a pickle. They're calling this freshly salted cucumber. Yeah. Okay. This is strange. This is kind of Gurkha. Okay, so- is that Great because name, you pull it out? It's been so salted that you know, like how salt can leave like a residue. Oh, that, like, right, wins. maybe because yeah. they also have different pickles here that are our traditional, what we think of as a cucumber-looking thing. Right, right. So, kind of gurka, salt gurka. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for the pickle emails. I'm still huh. not any closer to. I, I think you're. I think this is probably it. I think it's probably these are these salt pickles. Right. That will not last long and oh i wonder if by the two-day thing it meant you got to get it out of these fucking salt water in two days because otherwise these will all be over salted and taste bad right both it's not that they're, they'll go bad necessarily but it's interesting anyway thank you all for your emails as always you can send them to gaming at vice.com we will be back later this week with another episode uh, well, who knows what we'll talk about? You know, <laughs> we'll I feel like with this track record, we could talk about anything. Yeah. Um, I hope everyone has a nice week. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker and follow everything we do. Twitter.com slash waypoint, waypointadvice.com. Where can people find you, Rob? Uh, you can find me just putting some nice salt Gurkha on my Hell 9000 sandwich and just <laughs> living my best life uh, from any direction. <laughs> uh, Kata, where can people find you and your mother in law? Uh, at war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, mm, good. You know what they say is war is the closest thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking Christ. Uh, oh my god. That is Kato. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kato underscore Pierre. Kato starring in The Graduate <laughs> meets, meets Dune. That's meets what, Dune. He, that's what well, he's doing. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's there's the the energies. There's an overlap in energies uh, in in many ways. There, um, God, I'm gonna move on before I make bad jokes. Uh, as always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the, the track "Miss You" off the EP "Pale Machine." Find out more about that at Bowen. Nope, at waypoint.zone slash b o e n. Uh, that's gonna do it for us. As always, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> Looked at me like I was a ghost is a real good. <laughs> it's yeah. so like, funny. Yeah. It's great. It's so, Thank you, yeah, Jeffrey. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you for that, Jeffrey.